Hello and welcome to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined with Thomas, Sabrat and Anders to talk about creating a vision for the future, how strategies for tech leaders in a rapidly evolving industry. As usual, we'll start off with some introductions. Thomas, are you okay to go first? Absolutely. Hi everyone. I'm Thomas Blomberg and I'm a lead product manager at DocuSign. I uh, focus currently on legal tech and extracting uh, data points out of agreements using AI and AI pipelines. I'm really passionate about product management. I've been doing that for 20 years and that's my real passion uh, in life, I would say. Uh, Yeah, I have a wife and two kids and I'm really excited to meet with you all and have a great podcast today. Perfect, lovely. Thank you for that introduction. And then Anders, are you okay to go next? Absolutely. Uh, hi, my name is Anders Sandal. Uh, I work for a company called CSAM, CSAM, and uh, I'm uh, working in the public safety area. Uh, my role is uh, CTO, uh, but uh, that also includes uh, uh, product. So I'm uh, responsible for the product and technology strategies. Uh, and that's what I've been doing for most of my career uh, working with the products and technologies. Uh, I live in Stockholm, uh, but I do work in Gothenburg, so I'm at the office in Gothenburg. I commute, uh, weekly commute. Uh, I love Gothenburg. It's a a, a beautiful city, Uh, but since my family is in Stockholm, of course, I I love to spend most of my time there when I'm not uh, working. Uh, I have a passion for for technology, as you could uh, imagine. Uh, so I want to break new grounds. I, I want to explore uh, new things, and specifically uh, finding out how it can be used to improve people's uh, lives and uh, also improve the society at large. Uh, so that's uh, that's my uh, my passion in life. When it comes to private, uh, my private side, uh, I have three children and. Uh, they're all married and they have children. So I, I have uh, three grandchildren and the fourth on its way. Uh, and I love to spend time with my family and my children and grandchildren, uh, especially uh, out in our summer house where we built a, a, a guest house. Uh, so we can actually host the whole family. We're 12 people now, including all the kids and grandchildren. So that's, that's where I spend most of my free time. Incredible, lovely. Uh, congratulations on the grandchildren. Um, and then lastly, Sabra. Yeah, hello everyone. Uh, my name is Shubra Ghosh. I work for a company called Volvo Cars. Uh, I'm based out of Stockholm as well. Uh, of course, commute a lot to Gothenburg since Gothenburg is where Volvo Cars was founded 97 years ago. Uh, I am uh, an engineering lead or a senior engineering manager within the cluster called Commercial Finance, where we are focusing a lot on moving our existing solutions from a B2B to a B2C model. So getting closer to the customers, basically, and bringing in exciting solutions that hopefully our customers would love going forward using and sort of adapting more towards uh, yeah, liking Volvo cars and loving it as their first choice. Uh, yeah, on the personal side, I'm married, uh, we have a wife and a 10 year old kid, uh, based out of Stockholm, uh, yeah. And been here in Sweden for about four years and really, really enjoying it. Uh, looking forward to talk to you guys more rest of the hour. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you for those introductions. Very interesting. Hi everyone. 
This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So next what we'll do, you've all prepared a question or a few questions, I think, from looking at the document. Um, to talk about on the podcast so if you guys could introduce your questions when we get round to them and then we can have about 10 minutes to talk about each area share our thoughts and get some interesting discussions going so Subra, are you okay to introduce your question first yes absolutely so i put in a couple of questions here uh, on my list uh, and the first one is to make sure that how we sort of ish- ensure that there is a constant and pragmatic communication towards uh, along with our organization to make sure that we do communicate the vision constantly on what we are on which way we are heading towards while making sure that people that are working closely with us feel the sense of empowerment as well right so share the vision but make sure that people are sort of feeling free to experiment and try out so that's my first question and the second question is also sort of connected is to make sure that people just don't feel the sense of empowerment, but they also feel feel that it's okay to try out new things and fail as many number of times as they want to, but they get some learning out of it and then adapt the next time basically and work closely with each other. So these are my two questions uh, that I put across. Uh, Perfect, lovely. Um, Thomas, what do you think? If you'd like to go first, show in your thoughts. Yeah, these are awesome questions. I tend to come from product management perspective and everything, but this is um, uh, truly interesting. So, um, um, do you do you have any? Have you seen anything concrete of how to connect the vision um, with the teams? I mean, a, a vision, and maybe it's an all hands, and you hear. A lot of great things from leaders, but do you have any any advice for how to to really bring the vision into the actual uh, feature or product teams and and to get get them innovative and really innovating as part of that vision, um, not just keeping it as a high level nice thing to have that you forget the next day. Have you have you seen anything in in practice how you can? Do you have any <laughs> any advice to share? I would say, uh, Thomas, it's a great question, by the way, thanks for that. But I think it's more to sort of stress and communicate all the time in different forums. Of course, we do uh, all hands from time to time. Uh, but then, of course, we have monthly newsletters and things like that going out, wherein we basically stress on who we are and where we see ourselves in the in the organization. Uh, so basically, we are a world-leading financial platform in the whole mobility industry, and Volvo Cars is not really looked at as a typical car manufacturer from the past, right? We are more towards the journey of being a software-driven company, right? So, of course, we are trying out new solutions and tools, and therefore, just to answer your question, to turn that vision into something concrete, we encourage product managers and engineering leaders and so on within these communications to make sure that 
you know, along with all the urgent things that they are running all the time to deliver to the business, they also sort of bring some new innovation, you know, proof of concepts and stuff like that, right? So that they make sure to secure some time on that on their day-to-day life as well, just so people don't feel that they are just working on some kind of concrete things all the time that someone has asked for, right? So it's also to sort of build time, you know, spend some time doing proof of concepts. If it doesn't work, collaborate with other stakeholders within the organization and see how it works, right? So that's something we communicate all the time between the engineering and the product organization. Cool, great. So you're you're connecting the vision with the innovation. That sounds like Mm -hmm. a a good plan. Yes. Anders, what do you think? Well, I'm interested in, in uh, you talk about failure, and um, in, in my book, failure is the first step towards success. Uh, but how do you really, um, how do you, I mean, I, I guess it's from the perspective of management to allow people to fail, to uh, allow people to work on things that have not a, 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 a sort of a guaranteed outcome. Uh, and also uh, the fact uh, that people want to succeed because uh, every every person really want to be successful. So they they you know that that sort of probably inherent in the human being. Uh, but uh, how do you encourage people to move in an uncertain direction where there is a risk of failure, and then uh, give that kind of feedback? That was a good failure because we learned. So so they feel encouraged uh, and empowered. Yep, great question. And thanks. What we are trying out basically uh, within the, our organization is that even if something fluffy comes up, right, that as it, as I said, we are trying to run a proof of concept or some kind of analogy which we think might work when it comes when it comes to integrating with the different systems that we have in the pipeline and so on. We are trying out new features that would make uh, life of customers better at the end of the journey. But what we are sort of trying to do is put some kind of a milestone or or a timeline to see that, guys, we would like to try this, but then let's see what we could do in, let's say, four weeks, right? And don't worry so much about what the outcome would look like. Let's come up and demo something, right? And even it could be half-cooked or it could completely fail. But I strongly believe that until and unless we try to map some of this exciting stuff with some of concrete milestones, it would be really hard to see some outcomes you know, clearly out of what we are trying to do, right? So we sort of agree within a set of stakeholders that, hey, guys, let's try to look at this by beginning of week 28 or something like that. We talk a lot about weeks here in in Sweden, right? So we try to connect it with milestones and timelines to see where we get to. Let's fail, no problem. And then, but let's refine it and move forward and try to deliver something more concrete in the autumn, something like that. Okay, so you work with the time boxing it and uh, to to make sure that you have a, a target to okay. deliver something. Yeah. yeah, good idea. Amazing, lovely. Um, any what anything else you could add on to that, Thomas? Uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to add that failing is not the worst thing that can happen. I mean, that's good. Fail as often as you will. The worst thing that can happen is that you develop something that nobody wants or doesn't have any value or I mean, doesn't solve um, the problem. That's that's the worst. Then you have spent millions on something that's totally unnecessary. So fail as often as you will, but when you do deliver something, make sure it's good. 
and solves the problem. Don't don't be scared of failing. <laughs> Encourage teams to fail. Yeah, and I would just like to add, I mean, of course, this is something we are trying to experiment as well within the product and engineering organization. Now, as I said, when we try to time box something, it, it sort of seems like it comes with some level of stress that people get into that, hey, okay, now I have just three more weeks left and I need to try and make it perfect the first time and so on. So it's it's also important to be sort of continuously engaged with the team to make sure that it's not not about bringing in additional stress in terms of, okay, since we have time boxed it, this is what we need to do. But it's a first draft, right? And trying to constantly improve. That's the whole idea. So I have seen people being getting stressed with this whole time box concept, to be honest, but just to constantly communicate that that's not the intention or idea at all. It's very important just to be close to your teams yeah lovely lovely well amazing well what we can do now is unless anybody has any other thoughts on those questions we can move on to Anders questions mm-hmm. okay. okay and and my questions are more maybe statements and i i um i work a lot with the visions and um uh, i i call it storytelling it's uh, it's creating a vision for where our uh, products and solutions could, uh, uh, the, the state they could be at uh, in, in a number of years, uh, supporting new features, uh, new customers, uh, bringing in new technologies, and and actually what I'm what I'm constantly looking at it. How does um, other industries do? What do they uh, do? So uh, there is very seldom that you're inventing something completely new uh, so look outside your own industry your own business uh, and uh, pick and, and and choose things that you think can be applied in 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 your business uh, so that's that's my the, the 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 one the first question and 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 our topic and the other topic actually how to how to drive change and this is this is of course where living in a in a world that's constantly changing but it's it's very important to to make change normal in the in the organization because there is a lot of uh, resistance uh, towards change because you have to leave your you step outside of your comfort zone uh, and I work a lot with uh, trying to uh, set objectives uh, motivate uh, justify why uh, we're not uh, changing for the sake of changing. We're changing because we want to uh, achieve something. Uh, and and uh, I found out that there are a lot of need to talk about why we do things and what we want to achieve over and over again. So. Silver, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, that's really great questions. Uh, absolutely the, the main buzzwords of the whole industry we're heading towards. And this, but... One thing I'm really, really passionate about is measuring business value. So I'm curious about as you continue driving change within the organization, how do you sort of talk to your stakeholders and let's say other peer organizations and how you basically capture the business value on, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I, that's a that's a great question because that's what this is all about. It's it's really to discuss with with the. Uh, the the customers uh, what can they uh, benefit from and how how can they uh, uh, embrace this this uh, new uh, technology or, or those new features and solutions uh, and one of the 
we, we work a lot with our customers and we talk to them, but the, the most challenging thing is really to uh, get them on board when it comes to changing their ways of working and their processes, because in order to leverage from new functionality, it's very often so that, that the user of, of that new solution feature technology also has to change their way of working and uh, maybe also their behavior. Uh, so that, that it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really, really the most important question. How do this uh, turn into uh, value at the customer? And the customer has to uh, probably change the way of working and, and make sure that they can actually leverage on, from this new feature or technology. So, uh, and then when you get to that point that they are on board, then you can develop a business case both both from from you know your company perspective but also from the user and the users users uh, so so it's 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 a long it's a long step process um, but it 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 all boils down to a belief that yes this will bring value because at the end of the day it's very really difficult to put dollars and cents or kroner and euro on, on every feature but it's it's uh, at least uh, we're all agree on that. That's the 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 goal to make business uh, value out of the 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 innovations and the development. Erik, thank you so much. Amazing. I mean, oh, I hate change. I won't lie. It is is not my cup of tea. Um, but we just to interrupt before I go over to yourself, Thomas. We have a model uh, within our work that is. Like you're you're happy where you are, and then the change happens, you go down, and then you're in like a different state, and then you know when you go back to the status quo, and it's you're always going like this. I think it's very famous model that you've all probably seen, um, but no, for me, I feel like everything's always like, oh no, I don't want to go down. Uh, but you do deal with it quicker, I think, especially the more experience you get, the better the better vision you have for for change. So now within like our leadership meetings we can sit there and go okay so let's have a look around what do we think this change is going to be and you can forward plan for it so then your team kind of get a cotton bud kind of protection um, to be like it will be okay don't worry yeah. um well that's what we try anyway um especially i think the state of the world the last couple of years i imagine for your positions with the tech community it's been quite difficult to to navigate some of the change um like change your predictions that you've made um so yeah very interesting point and just i uh, think you've figured it up and then thomas what do you think about all this what do you think about thomas uh, and his questions oh yeah i totally agree with anders change is the new normal um tech is evolving so rapidly so um you, you really need to embrace change in your organization and what you do um focusing on the how to begin with like how you build something, how you implement. Uh, I've been a product manager for a data platform, a data pipeline for quite a while now, and our customers, the actual end user product. Uh, so we don't have that direct connection with the users, which means we need to adapt to change uh, in everything we do because we don't really have the full picture uh, end to end. So in everything you do, if you implement a new data platform or whatever it is, make sure you design it for change. Make sure you can change it over time and adapt to your business model, which will also change over the years. Maybe you're in 
going from B2B to B2C as you were, but, but who knows what's next, right? And build your platform, select your tech. So that's it's designed and implemented to change. Don't buy something and implement it and believe you will have it for five to 10 years. Build something that you can live with and change uh, incrementally. That, that would be my advice. And that's how we're trying to do things. Um, and yeah, it's, I, I totally uh, connect with what you said about the users. Um, just don't validate the technology and, and change just work with the user, live their life, see things from their perspective and keep an eye on what's happening on, uh, in the, in the technology and something can disrupt you sooner, sooner than you know, and users will be a good indicator for, for when that is about to happen. So keep innovating and innovate together with the users. And also don't just innovate on tech. Don't let feature teams or product teams do innovation on their own, bring in UX, bring in someone from the business side, someone that's really uh, knowledgeable about your business model and all the flows between customers, users, partners, so that you get innovation uh, end to end. That that would be my advice. Yeah, great, great uh, topics there, Anders. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that you brought up a very uh, important area the UX design. Uh, I, I, I responsible for UX design and I had two brilliant UX designers in, in my team and uh, I've, I've learned uh, that you can get a lot more feedback from the customers if you could present uh, even a high level uh, UX for a future feature, product, service, whatever. You get a lot of more insights by creating a a picture uh, of, of this this new feature or whatever it is in Figma or in some tool and they can, you know, envision that, oh, this is how it could work. And then you create a lot of more insights and feedback. So yes, I think UX design is, is a super uh, tool and and uh, domain to, to, to leverage here. Amazing. With um, change, we've just stay on this. How how do you guys on your teams within the different positions that you all are working in? How do you prepare for um, one of your managers deciding to move to a different company or a changes in team structure? Do you prepare for that when you do your business plan at the start of the year, or is it constantly something that you have to evolve and keep thinking about? I would say it's a con- continuous and constant process that we follow, especially since we are in such a disruption, uh, macroeconomic conditions all over the world. So we, we have to do it all the time. How about you, Anderson, Thomas? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And this is, uh, I mean, succession planning, of course, you can you can try to, to, to have an idea if one of your key individuals or, or any individual will, will leave. What do you do? Or do you have sort of a... a somebody could take over and, and grow into that. Uh, we do, uh, of course, that. But uh, at the end of the day, things are moving so fast. So you have to be very adaptive when things are changing and uh, make sure you can handle all kinds of situations. And you might have to move a person. You might have to to take in a contractor uh, for, for some time to fill uh, one position. Uh, or we might take have to take a hit in some of the products. Okay, we we slow down the development here because I have to move the the, the competence in another area. Yeah, 
Yeah, I've been seeing I've seen similar things. Um, sometimes you you allow a feature to be slightly more expensive to develop because you want um, the experience, the key resource on the project, but you also want to bring on in maybe not as a junior developer, but someone who hasn't worked in that part of the code. So you you allow them to work together just so to spread the risk and um, also, as you say, um, allow learning and competence sharing and and make teams grow so that that can take a toll on on, uh, on the delivery and then also um, use modern tools to document things um, for example the backlog or whatnot make sure you have one way of working with backlog one way of working with features so you're not dependent on on a specific person having a specific google sheet or whatnot make sure you're all using the same tools and have access to all the information especially the qualitative and quantitative data you've collected from customers etc Make sure everyone knows there where that is, so you're not depending on on one person to give you the answer. Make sure everyone can go find the answers themselves. No, I like that. It's definitely something that I found in the past that you know somebody has something on their laptop and then you no longer have access to it. You're like, what? Exactly. What do I do? <laughs> it um, always makes life a little bit more difficult. Um, and that, no. Yeah, that tends to be the case. So you co- the closer you come to the business side, that tends to be the case. If you need anything from revenue or user counts or, or any statistics closer to the business side of things, it tends to be on people's laptops with restricted access. So it's a lot you can do with data platforms and unlocking data for more people so they can find the answers and that they have readily available in their innovation projects, for example. Definitely, definitely. Um, Anders, anything else you kind of want, any questions that you have around this, maybe more about the storytelling side of your question? Are you happy to move on? No, I think uh, we can move on. Happy. Lovely. We're speeding through all of these questions today. Um, we're definitely getting some great ideas coming out of them. It's very, very useful. Um, but perfect. Lovely. Well, Thomas, on to yourself then. Would you like to introduce your questions? Oh, yeah. Um, I would like to talk about how to foster a culture of innovation. I think we've already touched on that quite a bit. And you gave me some some great input to how to be more innovative. Um, I'm also very interested in how to collect more uh, user problems, if you will, but really stay on top of what pain points your users have over time, they change, and uh, how you can collect that and, and turn it into data because you need data for prioritization, for example. You need evidence, you need uh, to validate that what you're about to build is actually a problem out there. But the problem is sometimes, how do you collect it? How do you how do you get that continuous stream of input and feedback from your end users? Um, so you can build the right thing and, and stay on top of, of actual problems and be innovative. So I would be super happy if you have any experience of how you do it and how you sort of collect and structure and, and turn feedback into proper data that you can make decisions on. So if you have any experience there, I would be happy to, to learn more from you. That was a really interesting question. Um, I'm also interested to hear from those responses. Hi. So Bradford, let's go first. Yes, I think it's wonderful questions. Thanks for bringing them up, uh, Thomas. Uh, I can share a little bit about how we are sort of onto this transformation, as I mentioned. Uh, the beginning, we are more moving more from a retailer kind of a model within Volvo Cars to sort of you know, an online direct-to-market uh, strategy going forward. 
And one thing we are really, really very mindful about is that, for example, right now, just to give you an insight, we are starting with one market right now, right? We are working for mainly, let's say, UK, for example, right? To make sure that that market goes completely online. But we have several other markets, totally different customers, right? That has different needs, as we spoke a lot about user experience right now. Sometimes we just assume that, okay, if we build one solution or one feature for one of the markets, it would be, life would be so much easy just to scale it for the other remaining markets that we are focusing the solution on, which will reduce, uh, you know, increase the scalability and then reduce the effort and complexity as well, right? What we often forget is that each market is totally unique in nature and they might have their requirements completely different, right? So what we are very mindful about right now is while we are building something for UK, we have four other markets in line for the next couple of years, so maybe a little more to sort of scale a similar solution there, namely Norway, Netherlands, Germany, and uh, Sweden, right? So whenever we are talking to our stakeholders and more like customer agents and so on from each of these markets, we make sure that we get some representation from the other markets as well, saying that, hey, guys, we are building this solution for UK. Does this make some sense for you guys, right? Or could we sort of collaborate and build something jointly that could potentially be much more scalable across all the markets than we think right now, right? So whenever we talk about this, major features or initiatives within this big transformation. At least what we have tried to do is bring in representatives from these different regions and markets to get some kind of consensus. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I would be very honest. But we at least make that effort to make sure that we are as closely aligned as possible so that from our side, it becomes much easier going forward to roll out the other markets quite smoothly. So we have tried this. It works reasonably well, I would say. And of course, as I said, we are on a journey to experiment and we have got some great collaboration here between product and engineering together, along with UX, which is also sort of within the engineering organization. So bringing in all stakeholders on the table, I think it works quite well. So that's the tip that I would share. Make sure all your stakeholders are on the table. You know, we have all hands on the deck here while we deliver this transformation. We try that. It's fine. That's my two cents. Cool. And do you have um, any standardized way of, of sort of collecting the feedback and sharing it with the engineering teams and UX and whatnot? Yeah, we use like different tools. For example, we have Miro boards floating around all over the organization and markets. Everyone has access to it. So as we said, it's not like restricted and sitting at one or two laptops within the whole organization. But yeah, we we encourage people to share their feedback, their comments, their concerns, whatnot, and try to you know, brainstorm it within the organization to see how best we deliver it. So Miro is something we use a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. Thanks. I love Miro. Um, I'm fully in the Miroverse. Absolutely incredible tool. How about for yourself, Anders? Uh, yeah, I... Um... I work a lot with the innovation, uh, as you would imagine, and um, uh, a couple of experiences from, from my side. Um, uh, what we have tried out uh, is um, a, a variant of what a lot of cap- companies do, that they devote certain time to innovation. Uh, I've heard about companies that uh, work uh, four days a week, and the fifth day, uh, like 
typically Friday they can do whatever they like in order to to you know develop your competence or do some proof of concepts and, and so forth. But what we have done is we have something we call innovation days. Um, and we run it um, typically uh, once or twice every every half year, and uh, uh, then we uh, allow people to do to work with whatever ideas they have. The only requirement uh, we put on them is that they, well, there's two requirements. They state what they're going to do, and they also uh, present what they've done. Uh, and 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 this is. Um, is very appreciated by the uh, the staff because they know that okay this is one day where they can put all the travel tickets aside and they can you know work on on something and the we also follow up i think it that's very very important to follow up it's not just that okay you 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 can spend the time eight hours and do whatever you like and you can present it but we also follow up the good ideas uh, all, all ideas uh, are good from some perspective uh, i mean minimum is that you learn and everybody is learning but but also that we've taken uh, a number of ideas to present to customers for example so even even if they're super super simple uh, they're mocked uh, some of the functionality it's definitely not the full-fledged feature or something but we have we have uh, taken some of them and actually presented to customers uh, to get their f- very early feedback. And in 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 a couple of cases, we actually that's have, have been the start of uh, a new feature, uh, and and that is very encouraging from for, for the organization also. Uh, some some uh, innovations are very small, and um, we also try to to encourage people just do them in the normal day-to-day work because if everything should be sort of oh this is a separate project or this separate activity you have to have separate funding then the barrier is much higher to to go that path but for for sort of the relatively easy innovations yeah just implement them could be an improvement of a, of a way of working or an improvement of a script or something just implement it and that has been uh, rather successful. Do your team enjoy doing stuff like that? Is it something that they look forward to within the calendar? Hey, absolutely. There, every every person is, is of course, uh, an individual person, a different different um, a passion, a different ambitions. Uh, I'd say everybody's looking forward to it. Some people have easier to think outside the box, have easier to to think in in a totally different context. Some other people are more uh, close to heart. Uh, but innovations are important, whether it's improving an existing process or creating a completely new business or product. So we try to encourage people to to learn and explore whatever area they're interested in. Uh, so yes, everybody's looking forward to it, and everybody takes it seriously and and, and really, you know, uh, focus on that during that day. Perfect, lovely. Thomas, what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I've uh, done that for many years as well, and uh, everyone loves it. It's great, um, and yeah, if possible, I would like engineering teams to to be in that mode at all time, if possible, to continue to just innovate and do awesome things. Um, as a product manager, I, I'm trying to add at least a couple of, of features or innovations into, into the backlog and roadmap and, and get them out to, uh, to customers. 
because there's always so many great ideas implemented during those innovation days. Um, next time, I would I would like to try to bring in the business side into innovation because this seems they are often very focused on tech and the how. So it would be interesting to have innovation days, but include and create innovative teams that that also have the business perspective, maybe the business model that can bring uh, new challenges to the company as input to those innovation days, just to get it to a bit more, yeah, set the the, the context a little bit and and raise the your eyes to a to a business level. Um, but it's super fun to do it. Uh, yeah, just explore new technologies and and, and do that scratch an itch like someone said to uh <laughs> in your product and just get it done do that small thing that was never possible to prioritize that's also great but it would be interesting to to have the business model as part of, of, of those innovation days and other other people and competences than engineers yeah, but we actually include everybody so uh, uh it's it's of course it started off as an engineering initiative um but we uh, i mean my product managers and the business folks they are also trying to develop their competence and uh, work on something uh, uh, that is not part of the daily the work so. oh, i can share one tip that i've been seeing a lot uh, recently thomas is that i mean as a product since we work closely with as an engineering organization and the product organization together Sometimes people are so used to sort of follow a sequence of tasks or features that they would like to develop. Maybe it's sort of interesting to put even smaller innovation tasks or stories on the board, however small it might be, right? So people are sort of looking forward to it. Hey, I'm going to work on this exciting stuff in the next sprint and so on, right? So we follow a lot in terms of putting even those smallest tasks or features or stories on the board. So, and, you know, let encourage people to sort of work it together as a group or individually as they may like. But that's something which quite clearly works, I would say, because if you sort of bake it within an existing feature or story that you're working on, it often sort of takes a backseat is what we have seen. So just in order to make it a bit more concrete, we have seen it works quite well that you just put it on the backlog and let teams feel free to work on it whenever they would like to and not at a particular schedule or time or sprint. Mm. Yeah, that's that's great advice. My experience from these days is that most of the things that are, are done are enhancements to the existing product offering. Um, it's it's much harder to to think outside the box and and <laughs> and, and having having teams really innovating and, and considering risks to your company when doing that. It's much easier to to just enhance and polish the good old product until it's dead. So, uh, <laughs> man, yeah, I think there's a lot of lot to do in innovation day setup and thinking. But I think it has to do also with the mission because um, you're sort of bound to the mission uh, for for your organization. So, uh, for example, if you work with the uh, uh, I don't know some type of product, then you you are sort of contained to work uh, within that area. Mm. Um, then, then there are other companies. I, I visited Google uh, a number of years ago, and they have another model where they encourage people to think completely outside the box, and then they, they go before some kind of board, and if they get uh, approval, then they got funding for a project they can run for a year. 
when I was there, it was the uh, uh, radio network systems over balloons. So they were sending up balloons in the in the air um, that uh, would act as sort of base stations. I, I was working in mobile telephony uh, at the time. Uh, and, and and that's that's a great idea, uh, but we know uh, now ten years later that that never never uh, uh, took took uh, the, you know it never went off because uh, there is a lot of other problems with it. But they they got a project and funding for a year and they built prototypes, a bit products. Uh, but that of course means that somebody has to sponsor you outside your current sort of uh, mission. Yeah, yeah, true. Do you see when you have these innovation days and and they're allowed to do whatever they feel? Do you see them teaming up with other teams they usually don't work with, so that they do it cross team, cross product, or are they often in their own within their own teams? Now, uh, excellent question. Uh, we encourage them to team up with other persons that they don't normally work with, and especially with other team team members from other teams. Um, when when you we look at how, how it sort of plays out, uh, a lot of people work with their closest team members, but the, the, there are new constellations. Uh, for example, two people from one team work with one or two people from another team. That that also happens, but it's it's always more difficult to to make uh, them uh, you know cross look uh, across the boundaries and, and find you team members and other teams but you get more typically more out of the ideas if you team up with somebody from another team yes yeah i can imagine one thing we have tried i would say in the last year or so is to we try to run these hackathons similar to innovation days uh call it and some of these uh feedback that we get all the time from the customer which we would like to try it with new ideas as an innovation topics and so on we try and build the features in 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 such a setup that people would be really encouraged to work with cross teams and cross products as well, right? It's really really difficult to work on within their own team setup and so on. So that's also a way to do it. I think people sort of understand it that it's sort of tweaked in a way that sort of forces them to work with other products and and verticals and clusters or whatever you call it. But I think at the same time they they feel it's a really, really good setup to be able to work with someone that you don't work with on a day-to-day basis. So it works quite well. Hello. Thanks. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, well, any last kind of thoughts within that? No? I, I just want to um, comment on the, on your last question there, Tom, Thomas. I think it's excellent. The, the data on how can you collect more proof points uh, in order to make uh, sound business decisions. I... I've been working many years to to try uh, to find a way to get more data. It's super difficult. It's it's um, uh, what we have done, which I think it's a little bit tiny step in that direction, is to work with personas, which you know is a concept in, in the UX design area to try to to uh, to put together what are the different stakeholders, uh, different users for a the future uh, solution. Uh, and uh, during that process, you can also, um, uh, of course, work with customers because that's the, the input to the personas uh, and get feedback. Okay, how do you value this? More of a, uh, yeah, is it super important or is it of less importance? Is this an annoyance or is it something hindering you in your work? Uh, that That's what 
I think we have done successfully, but to to get figures and more data, I, I'm I'm still uh, looking for that. Yeah, I recognize that it's always a challenge. Um, I tend to start with the qualitative data, like customer feedback, meeting notes. Start with just collecting and sorting them out in a standardized way. But then it comes to product metrics. For me, that has been a challenge. I mean, if you're not a startup and you do it from day one, it's just an utter pain to add metrics to a product afterwards. Um, but I wish it, yeah, I, I wish it could be prioritized higher actually to to have the product collecting data for you about user behavior, feature engagement, uh, what takes time in the onboarding experience, whatnot. That would be super helpful, but unfortunately, it's, it's so hard afterwards. Maybe you can add Google Analytics on top of your UI and that's it. But it's uh, far from full stack. Now, incredible. Well, we are coming to the end of our time. Um, so any last kind of ideas that people want to share? No. Perfect. Lovely. Well, it's been such an interesting conversation. Um, we've definitely gone through quite a lot of different areas where you think about when you're creating these visions for the future. So thank you so much for joining. If anybody listening has any questions for any of the guests today, please let us know and we can reach out and get get you guys connected and speak about them further. But no, thank you, Thomas, for Brett and Anders for sharing your thoughts. I've really enjoyed listening to these conversations and I've definitely taken some ideas that I wouldn't have thought about before. So I hope you guys have too. Um, so thank you so much again for listening and thank you guys for taking part.